0: Morning, Calvary. Good morning. We're glad to see you. That was good, good, good answer. I like that. Um, we are in the middle of a series called Process, and we're celebrating uh, Serve Sunday today. For those who serve, they've been wearing their shirts. We just want to say thank you for serving. And our hope is that you desire to serve. But as you're going to see today, we're not just looking to put warm bodies in empty spots. We want you to find your calling and the way that God has gifted you to allow you to serve Him with a kingdom purpose and so we've been going through this process of learning how to follow god learning how to grow up and we started a few weeks ago by planting a seed and it's grown up and so now this is actually growing and it's almost like almost needing to be propped up by something and that's good because we need to prop each other up but it's the idea that as we grow here's what we want you to see what happens underneath the surface will eventually be made visible that what happens underneath the surface will eventually be made visible in your life, in every aspect. So what's going on underneath is what's going to come out. And so we asked you to ask last week, what's underneath that surface? What, how do we change what's underneath the surface so that we produce the things that are of God? And we asked you to take a paradigm shift. And we said, in order to walk by the Spirit, you must seek your kingdom purpose. This is what allows us to be healthy, to grow something healthy, instead of just producing something that is toxic or not wise or unfruitful. So I want to speak today from Jeremiah 29 11. Now, if you ever had a coffee cup verse, Jeremiah 29 11 is. And what I mean by that, it's a verse. You might get a tattoo, not that we encourage that. You might get a coffee mug, you might get a shirt. And here's the verse. You may have heard it, but it's also one of the most misused verses in all of the Bible. So here's what it says. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Oh, who didn't like that idea? I, I, I like that idea. I, you're going to give me hope and plans for a future. And you want me to prosper. And, and so we, we get this idea of, God, you want to give me a bunch of blessings. So how do I get there? How do I, I find this? And so what we end up doing is we end up trying to play the Christian game, hoping to get the blessings. So right here, uh, we, we have the sayings, you know, like we talk about serving, and, and maybe you serve, and, and as you're serving, you're sitting there going, I'm serving, where are the blessings. Right? Or maybe you've heard of the fruits of the Spirit, like peace, love, and patience and gentleness and, and kindness and we always forget long suffering is one of those. We, we get those ideas of and we sit there and go I want to be a loving purpose person and so I try to, to be a loving person but I don't actually do what's underneath and so that fruit seems almost intangible and impossible to grasp. Because we have tried to get the fruit without first dealing with the root. So the blessing of God, I do believe that God has a best best for you. But the blessing of God comes from transformation. And the transformation that results from a life spent following God will produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your soul. You want to have love? You got to deal with the root. You want to be kind? You got to deal with the root. You want to have peace? Amen. You got to deal with the root. So the transformation of a life spent following God will produce a life lived following God and also in service for others. Now that's a key. Because when you're following God, it can't just be about you. It can't just be about what you get. You want to have the best blessings for your life? You can't just live for yourself. It's dying to yourself. And so the way that we express it around here is we have a a mission statement. It's our general mission statement. And almost every church has a mission statement that's similar to this. Here's what ours is. We are followers making followers of Jesus. You can go outside and see it written right above on the opposite wall right there. Huge lettering. There's pictures you can look up. If you've never looked up and read it, there you go. That's it. We want you to remember it. Now, here's a little uh, inside information for you. Almost every church that you should be a part of, in fact, I would say any church that you would be a part of, needs to have a similar mission statement. In fact, if it doesn't, run away. Run away. Now, they may call it different things. They may say, we're disciples trying to love God and love people. We're we're trying to be, but it's the same idea that we are living for a kingdom purpose, that we're trying to live with the following. And so we talk about purpose all the time here. But here's the problem. We don't necessarily know how to resonate with our own purpose. We don't ever always know why we exist. And so we even have the four follower statements. They're above the bathrooms out there. And and the follower statements are are effects. They're ways that you know that what's growing up in your life is healthy. Okay? Here are the effect statements. Here's what we want. Followers follow Jesus. That's our discipleship, right? Uh, Followers uh, serve God and others. That's the idea of serving. I know I'm supposed to serve people, right? Followers share what they That's evangelism. Congratulations, we're all called evangelism. You share what you know about God because you can't share more than you know about God or you're a liar, right? But you're called to share what you know. And then finally, followers give sacrificially. It's a kingdom worldview of their time, their effort, their resources. Those are the effects of a life that's lived healthy. Now what we know, once again, is that we're supposed to do those things. So we try to do those things and we try to get filled But I want you to understand very clearly those are a measuring tool to see what's healthy underneath is real. Because if you do those things and what's underneath isn't healthy, those things will not only not give you purpose, they will drive you away from helping you be at rest and at peace with God. I can't just serve I can't just go out and, and, and share what I know. Here, let me explain to you like this. I grew up in a, in a church that really emphasized evangelism a lot. And what I meant by evangelism, here's what I meant. Here's a track that's going to annoy people. And I want you to go out and I want you to say to someone, hey, I know you probably don't want this, but here's a track. And walk away. Share what I do! Woohoo! Anybody know? Anybody ever, you know what, it, y'all look like a lost. You know what, those little pieces of paper that says, basically, turn or burn? You know, like those kind of things? He's still giving those out. <laughs> we'll talk later. Um, the idea of, of uh, there's a good idea about we want people to know Jesus, but it shouldn't feel so laborious. Serving God shouldn't be difficult. <laughs> giving God of our resources shouldn't be a struggle. And if they are there's a root problem, which makes the fruit bad. And so what we're trying to get to is the understanding, okay, if I'm going to really allow God to transform me and I get to the heart of the matter, I'm going to have an existence with a purpose. I'm going to live fulfilled. But if we don't, we're going to fake it. And and we're going to live our life, and we talked about last week, with just an existence mentality. And we said an existence mentality isn't much of an existence. But a life lived with purpose that glorifies God will give you purpose. A life given finding how God made you and living it out. And without that, what we're going to do is we're going we're to live this life circling around in this pattern of uh, I'm constant failing. I'm never at peace. I'm constantly at war with myself. I don't know how I fit into this world. So I'm going to go find hope over here. I'm going to go find, uh, there's a little a pocket of joy over there. And we're not going to understand that life is a gift. When it's spit lived for the glory of God. David Rhodes said this. Has Christianity degenerated in our culture into nothing more than a big I'm sorry at the end of our lives? I accept the Christ and I get to spend forever with God in heaven. Oops, sorry about all those relationships I could have had. Sorry about living for you. I really wanted that next thing. I could feel heavy but here's the good news you were uniquely made to reflect his workmanship that word workmanship remember comes from Ephesians two ten. it's the idea of you are his poema his poem his masterpiece you were loved but you're also called with a, created with a kingdom purpose Can you imagine writing a poem that nobody ever saw Can you imagine hearing a song or writing a song to never be played for anybody else You weren't made to keep it in you were made to use it for the glory of god So here's what causes us to not go there, right? We we look and we sit there and go god How can you use me? I'm only blah 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 blah. Do you know the bible is filled with people who are blah 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 That is a direct quote, okay? I expect to see that on all your Facebook feeds and Instagram later, okay? Um, And so I want us to look real quick. When I think of the person who didn't believe that God really created him for a purpose is Gideon. Gideon in Judges chapter 6 was sitting there threshing wheat in a wine press. Translation, he was in a small contained space hiding, growing wheat in an area that shouldn't grow. Wheat, not weed people, wheat, okay? And as he was trying to grow that, He was trying to provide for his people because he was scared the enemy was going to come in and steal his food. And and so in that context, an angel of the Lord says, Get up, Gideon. You are a mighty warrior. I think Gideon would have looked around, but he couldn't because there wasn't space to turn around. Right? I'm a mighty warrior. God, I'm the youngest in my clan, which is the smallest clan, which is the smallest tribe in all of Israel. By the way they measured worth and importance of israelis at the time he was literally the least of the least in his culture i'm a mighty warrior you got it wrong god that guy's down the rope. but god used him to save his people think that's an exception what about esther and esther who was quiet probably very most people think she was probably timid But God apportioned her at a time to which she even said the words, God has apportioned me for a time such as this in the book of Esther, where she would stand up to the king and save her people. Look forward to the New Testament. We got the brash guy who thinks he's all that, right? Peter? Who goes in and he chops off a soldier's ear because they're coming to touch Jesus. You don't touch my Savior, right? Only the problem was, just a little bit before that time jesus had told peter before the rooster crows tonight you will deny me three times no i'm not i'm willing to chop the guy oh he still does that he still denies the lord three times before the rooster crows you think he's an exception all of the other disciples you have a tax collector right you got a guy named james the lesser who names their kid that By the way, that's not really his name. It was just, we don't really know his last name, so there's James and James the Lesser. That's probably a bad name that we gave him. But anyways, there's the significant ones, and they would go on and live their lives, and and most of them would die for the cause. And these were not gifted, highly educated, highly trained, charismatic people. No, they were people who had God-sized dream and God-sized purpose. Could that be you? Can I say for just a moment that in this room there are numerous Gideons, Esthers, and Peters just waiting for the opportunity to rise up and live out their calling to make a global impact. And the only thing that's prohibiting you from doing that is you're not listening, you're not open to listening to what God wants to say because you don't have the belief that God can use you in the way that He wants to use you. So how does he want to use this? Well, I know the plans are for you. This is the Lord's declaration for well-being, not disaster, to give you a future and hope. It's living out your calling. What are the two types of callings we find? A general calling. There's to serve God and others, building his kingdom. Matthew 28, right? Go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Sons, and the Holy Spirit. That's what every church is supposed to do. Acts 2, right? I could go through the scriptures and it's the idea of followers making followers But here's the cool part that general calling translates into a bunch of different churches And that that general calling for, is not different for us than it is for northview And it's not different for us than campus house And it's not different for us than it is for covenant Our general calling is to help people find christ. They are not the enemy. They are on our team amen So if you're the guy looking which team you want to play on, we're all on the same team, so stop church hopping. That was free. Okay, the idea of what it looks like to really be invested in the kingdom of God is this. It's understanding that Calvary exists for a different purpose than what those churches exist for. And that he made us unique with a different group of people. And the reason that we're unique in our calling is because you are all unique. So there's not only a general calling, but there's a personal calling. To serve God and others, utilizing your unique giftedness. Have you thought about that? What does that look like? Let's look at Jeremiah 29 a little bit deeper to help us understand that. The context of Jeremiah 29 11 begins in Jeremiah 29 1. Here's what it says. This is the text, the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent. So this is Jeremiah's letter to the remaining exiled elders, the priests, the prophets, and all the people, Nebuchadnezzar, wait for it, had Deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. I have plans for you to give you hope and prosperity, to give you purpose. You just got carried off from land. Uh, not to use an illustration that's too soon and not to make light of a current global situation, but because it's relatable. I want us to kind of imagine what this might look like. And I'm not saying that this would do this. Please don't misread this. This is just a way to to step into this world. But this would be the equivalent of Ukrainians being conquered tomorrow by the Russians and being dragged out of their homes and sent back to all over Russia. And then me writing a letter to them saying, I know the plans God has for you, it's plans for you to prosper, plans for you to have hope and a future. And they're going, dude, we just got dragged off. How, how am I supposed to have hope in this? But he goes on. In Jeremiah 29, 4-7, here's what he's saying to him. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles, to the people who've been scattered. Because maybe you don't feel at home, right? I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. In other words, live your lives. Now get this, verse 7. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. Wait, what? Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to pray to the lord on its behalf for when it thrives you will thrive there's a context here you see we're called to be kingdom builders in our context regardless of the circumstances here they were dragged out of their homelands this is like the this was daniel in the bible this was shadrach meshach and abednego who got tossed in the fiery furnace because they didn't say no okay This is the idea of, I'm being drafted. This was the wise people, this was daughters, this was sons, this was the best of the best. And they were shipped out, and he says, I want you to not only live and marry, but I want you to pray for the Babylonians. I want you to pray, and as that country thrives, so will you. Now here's the problem that we don't understand. Most of us in this room are living where we want to live. You know how I know that? Because most of you in this room have the resources if you really wanted to. Not everybody necessarily, but most of us, if you really wanted to live in Florida right now, you could pack up and move to Florida. Sounds pretty good right now, right? <laughs> so you're, you're getting to choose where you live, and we still struggle living with the context. You've, you've picked the job that you wanted. Say, so, no I didn't, I, I didn't really have any. Yes. You could go work at McDonald's right now. I know, the signs are up. And I'm not disparaging anybody who works at McDonald's. That is a noble job. You can go, but you want to have a certain income. You want to have a certain lifestyle. And you're living and defining your purpose by the choices you are making. And the choices you are making aren't giving you the satisfaction you're longing for because you aren't living with the purpose that God has made for you. Instead of seeing your work whether it's McDonald's or Caterpillar or a student at Battleground or whether it's a, a living as a retiree or a stay-at-home mom, your purpose is to live for the glory of God in a way that changes the world. Well, how do I do that? you got to have God-sized dreams for the kingdom. God-sized dreams will always have a general generational impact. So let's keep reading. Um, well, actually, just a second. They got carried away for 70 years 70 years Hey, I, I want to have a plan for you It won't be fulfilled for 70 years Basically, what they were saying is uh, I've got a plan for you, but you won't see it You're going to be dead But hey, your great-grandchildren They're going to get to come back here Let's take a little quiz Let's take a little quiz I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand, but I want you to think, without pulling up your ancestry DNA, because some of you have it on your phones, you're that geeky kind of person. (laughs) Can anybody in this room name the first names of all four of their great-grandparents? Maybe. If one or two at the most. So in 70 years from now, after you've gone off this earth, Your great-grandchildren probably won't remember your name. They may be squandering the money you have left them. Let's be honest, your kids did that way before they got to it. (laughs) But the generational impact, the generational... God's calling always has a generational impact. And they may not remember your name, but they may know Jesus because of it. That's what we're talking about. Because God says dreams have genera- generational impact. So how do we know what those are? We're called to discern God's voice. What's he asking us to do? What's our ability? How's it fit in? Jeremiah 29, 8 through 9. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you. And don't listen to the dream, the dreams you elicit from them. For they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. (laughs) The Bible's funny, y'all, because here I am preaching about a passage that says, don't listen to the preachers. (laughs) Don't listen to the preachers. They don't know what they're talking about. Some of you are like, amen. (laughs) How do we know, Daniel, that what you're saying is worth listening? Because pastors who only point to what you get don't listen to them. But pastors who point to Jesus, my job is not to get you to believe what I say. My job is to point you to Jesus. And if I'm not pointing you to Jesus, don't let me on the stage, don't let me in this church, and don't let anybody get on the stage that isn't pointing people to Jesus. If you're living the purpose God has for you, it will change the way you view the world. And God's voice will then lead you to the fulfillment of your calling in his presence you'll have the fruits the peace the love the joy the the fruit that comes out the evidence is you want to serve you want to live you want to give God all the glory and it may be difficult and yes there are times we are called to do things that are outside our comfort zone there may be a need for you to do something you don't really want to do I mow my yard every week I don't enjoy it not my calling well the neighbors say it's my calling But there's a deeper purpose for me than just mowing my yard. And that's what we're trying to get to. So Jeremiah 29, 10-13 says this, For this is what the Lord says, When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will tend to you and confirm my promise concerning you to restore this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And you will call to me and come and pray to me And I will listen to you. Did you hear that? What are we supposed to do? Call to him, come to him, and pray to him, and then he will hear us. And you will seek me when that happens, and when you will search for me with, and you will find me when you search for me with a casual Sunday appearance. Once a week at small group. As I serve God, no, with all your heart. You see, the ultimate goal in fulfilling our purpose is God's presence with us. And it results both for us and the benefit of others When you find his presence You will find your purpose So let's take a little context and come up to some applications What's this really asking us to do here? You have people you have blacksmiths you have sages You have all kinds of people who were dragged away. It's not that un- unusual It would be like the professors being dragged away to that school down south and in that context, we're not only praying for them, we're, we're praying that they would thrive as hard as that may be to pray, right? And you might even have to adopt red colors in your wardrobe. But as they thrive, you will thrive. Because God has called us not to just live our life in separation, but to build up his kingdom, which means we pray for the rulers of this country regardless of who they are. We pray for the leaders in our community regardless of what they say and don't do or do. We pray for God to thrive and move because God's presence we want to move and that we live out our calling in doing so. So how do we live our calling? You live out your calling as a blacksmith or a sage. Translation, you live out your calling as a teacher or as an engineer, as an entrepreneur, as an employee at the local fast food restaurant. You live out your calling in such a unique way, knowing that God has placed you there. But I want to give you an extra step for that. So today, you can mirror this off the passage we just read. I could also walk you through this from Jeremiah 1, 4 through 9. So I think this is a very biblical method, okay? But using this, this is uh, Will Mancini. How do you find your specific calling? Three questions to ask in finding your purpose in God's calling. First, what is your passion? What has God given you a passion for? What fuels you? Now, passion could be coffee. Lately, I've been into disc golf. You know why? Because I can go in the woods and not have to wear a bunch of sunscreen. And that's honestly a big part of it. And I love watching the disc fly. And I, I, I like golf, too. I love, you know, that kind of—those are passions for me. They probably won't be—some of you your passions running. And you are sick individuals. But God— <laughs> God has given you that passion for a reason, and some of it's teaching, and some of your passions is kids. If your passion's kids, work in the kids ministry. That's an obvious one, okay? If your passion, but what what God has given you a passion for? What fuels you? And and take a time and and maybe write out twenty things. What gives you energy? What do you look forward to doing? Okay, with the second one. Not only what is your passion, but what's your abilities. And this is not what you think you're good at. I think I'm really funny. My wife sometimes disagrees. So find what other people say that you're good at. You know, I didn't understand this for a long time, but I've had quite a few people tell me in my own life, I'm actually really pretty good at diplomacy. That's not something I would have picked out on myself, but people have told me that through time. And so listen to what other people, go to your friends and say, what do do you think I'm good at? And make a list, five to 10 things. Then the third question, I want you to ask Is Where do I thrive and where do I live? Because where you live may not always be where you thrive. I've got a job that I'm not really loving. You're living in that job. Where am I thriving? That's where you're going to spend your free time. Right? My house. I thrive at the basketball court. Everybody thinks they thrive on the basketball court. You ain't got game. You know, all those kind of things. Where am I thriving? Where, uh, where does God call me to do? What's the context? And then I want you to wrap these around And I want you to view this uh, Venn diagram. So sometimes you're called to go because you have the ability as a follower of Jesus to share what you know. You are still called to do that even if it's not necessarily your sweet spot. We are all called to live missionally. We are all called to make disciples. It may not be your sweet spot, but we are all called to do it. That's sometimes what we have to do, right? But what we're looking for is that sweet spot. What's your passion? Meet your ability meet your context, meet your sweet spot. So the way this works for me is my passion is personal transformation. My ability is connecting with people one-on-one. My context might be playing disc golf. So when I play disc golf, if I go play with someone else, what I'm doing is, are they a follower of Jesus? If so, I want to help them have a personal transformation that by the time I walk off playing disc golf, they're walking closer to the Lord. If they don't know Jesus, I want to walk them through the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus by bringing that up in the context of using disc golf as a means to share the gospel. It's not hard. You just got to be willing to do it. So I want to give you your daily training. Here's the daily... Now, I, I rarely say this. I'm almost going to guilt you into this. So I'm saying that so I'm not trying to manipulate this, okay? Because I know sometimes we reach these daily trainings and go, that'd be great. Let me try to apply that. I'm not going to do it. You're not... I want you to resolve to do this. In fact, I want you to resolve to do this and come to a place where you write it in an email to me, or to Drew, or to Amy, or a small group leader. You share it with a, another college student. It, it, if you do this, you will find that God will start speaking to you in ways that you've never imagined. You'll, your worldview will change. I, I, I'm not trying to oversell something. I'm, I'm just giving you hope here. This is what Jeremiah 29, 11 is about. I want you to have success. I want you to prosper by living out your unique purpose in the sweet spot of your passions, abilities, and context as you're living for the gospel, as God has called you. Gideon, rise up, mighty warrior. Esther, you were made for a time like this. Peter, you're going to fall down. Get back up. Live out your calling. But you've got to define it first. So here's some six examples I want you to first take your passions, abilities, and context And summarize God's calling of your life In 15 words or less And if you can't do it right away Good (laughs) Wrestle with it in your small group Wrestle with it I'm going to give you some examples Probably, in fact, emphatically None of the six examples Are to be yours Even if you have to change a word You do not have permission to plagiarize someone else's personal calling Because then it's not a personal calling So let me give you some examples of what this looks like Example, your name Daniel Berry exists to glorify God and serve others by Then you got 15 words Obviously this one is an example for women Because men, your job is not to connect women (laughs) Connecting women in meaningful relationships Centered around the gospel identity and prayer You're a connector This is, I'm a connector, and so I'm You probably have the spiritual giftedness of hostessing If you can do this I'm going to have girls night And I'm going to make sure when we have girls night It's not a night and an excuse to badmouth husbands and gossip But rather we're going to use it to glorify God And I'm going to connect people for the purpose Of having people have conversations about God And so that other people can use their giftedness To help disciple them in that moment You get it? Then the second example Let's just roll through these bold evangelism at Caterpillar and in my neighborhood expressed in kindness and love. Not every one of us is called to be an evangelist. We're all called to share our faith because followers share what they. But some of you have the giftedness to do this and you're not stepping into the God-sized dream of it because you think I'm not a pastor. Who cares? You're on mission for the glory of God and you could turn your company upside down not by being the jerk, by sharing people what, they, what you know about God and saying how good He is and faithful He is. Third one. Abundant generosity expressed through my time and resources whenever I feel like it. No? To meet specific Spirit-directed needs. Some of you have the ability to make money and you don't even know what to do with it. Ask God what to do with it. God has given you that gift to use it for the glory of Him. Some of you have an ability to be sacrificial with your time. It doesn't wear you out. You're not drained at the end of the day. You love being with people. Use it for the glory of God. Fourth, cultivating emotional, physical, and spiritual health as a doctor, father, and friend. This is for the doctors, the nurses, right? I'm a healthy person. So when you're meeting with the patients, it's not just about the physical health. Can I just take a moment and say, I think it's real important to have spiritual health. If you'd like to talk to me more about that, I'd love to, no problems. But in order to be holistic as a well-being person, you need to grow. What would it look like if our doctors and nurses started saying that every single time they did that? Fifth. This one's actually mine. Personalizing transformation of leaders and churches through regenerating vulnerability and maximizing divine giftedness. Obviously, that one's a little more developed because I spent a lot of time on it. But it's the idea of regenerating vulnerability. God doesn't take your junk in the past and leave it in the, the landfill. He wants to use it. So if you've been through a divorce, guess what? You can walk other people through a divorce. You've been through a difficult situation, God can use that. Regenerating vulnerability and then maximizing your divine giftedness to change the world. Sixth and final one. Mobilizing missional opportunities in my community so that the forgotten or neglected may encounter Christ. That's your sweet spot. I, I want us to see and go and, and have justice issues. I want to see us and go reach the needy. I want to see us and help us. help. So... What is your ability? What are you passionate about? And where can you use those in the context the Lord has placed you? And when you start doing that, then all of a sudden when you're playing disc golf, that's Sir Daniel Berry's name here, you don't start seeing it as an opportunity just to get away. You see it as a mission field. When you go to Klondike Elementary School as an eighth grader, it's not just something you have to do because your parents and the government make you. It's your mission field. Do you know your mission? Do you know how God uniquely made you? This is what will change the world. Now, some of you may get really excited about this, and you're going to fail. And So that's why we remind ourselves, Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, upon you, you're my rock, and upon you I'm going to build my kingdom. Don't give up. At least 10 of the disciples died, as church history suggests, through martyrdom. They're willing to pay whatever the cost because they lived out their purpose. So we're going to do this today to remind us, God, we want to live out our purpose. If you have a relationship with Jesus, we invite you to play with this. If you participate with us, if you don't have one of these, raise your hands. We've got a couple of the deacons in the back who will bring that to you. And when we take this, go ahead and open it up now. It makes a little noise. When you take this, this is supposed to represent Jesus' body that was broken for you. To remind you that you won't have to be perfect But you have a purpose He did this because he said I'm not going to be with you and I want you to live out your purpose Don't forget you have a purpose Take this in remembrance of me Then he took the cup He said my blood was poured out for you Don't neglect the fact that I died for you I don't want you to just exist Find me and find peace Find me and find purpose. Take this in remembrance of me. And the Bible said, they sang a song. And then Jesus sent them out to go back to life the way they knew it. No. Jesus sent them out to live their lives, wait for it, with a purpose. My prayer for you today, may you know and walk in the presence of God. And may His presence be your purpose. May His purpose lead you and guide you to a path that leads you to His peace, His joy, His understanding. May you understand what it looks like to walk daily, moment by moment, breathing in His very presence, the gift of the Spirit in your life. And may it transform you now and into eternity. In his holy name we pray. Amen.